Chapter 2 The God Power Thrust! Kyla lunged, driving Kane forward. Her teacher, a sour shadline called Jill Pakti, gripped Kyla's blade wrist and pulled, sending Kyla stumbling and flailing to keep her balance. You put your weight too far forward, Sai. Again. And so it went. Onlookers were scattered around the otherwise empty courtyard in the shade of the citadel's spire. A light snow had started just at the beginning of the training session, and the watchers were bundled in wool cloaks with fur-lined hoods. The cats were nowhere in sight, having wisely chosen to curl close to a hearth inside. But Henley was there, a dusting of snow stark against his fiery locks. He grimaced at Jill's tone and gave Kyla a cautionary lift of one eyebrow. Kyla bit down several choice remarks as she turned to face her teacher. Her teacher, bah. The woman hated her merely for being a Merculin. Jill Pakti was from Trine, well-groomed, with short cropped hair and fine quality clothes. Like Kyla, she had shed her cloak long ago. She wore a lace-up tunic over loose trousers tucked into fine leather boots. Her movements reminded Kyla of Jeanne Delps, fluid, dancerly, fast. The only tell of exertion was the steam rising from her skin in the chill. Before Kyla had caught her breath, the woman circled to Kyla's offhand side, forcing her to turn and retreat. Unlike Jeanne, Jill insisted they train with their shadline blades, not wooden ones. This struck Kyla as ridiculously dangerous, especially since she had cane, a dagger, and Jill had kinch, a sword of unknown power. Unknown to Kyla, anyway. She just hoped it wasn't like Cloak Einland's blade, which burned victims with magic flames. Thrust, Jill commanded. Kyla took more care this time, but it made her lunge tentative. Jill took advantage and slapped the side of Kyla's forward shin with the flat of her blade. The loud smack reverberated around the courtyard. Kyla yelped and danced back, a mercus bolt forming at the same time. Jill jumped as Kyla's invisible mercus feet returned the favor on her backside. Her face became a mask of fury, and she tilted her head to one side. Repeat that, Merculin and we will see if her enlightened can put the pieces of you back together. You were toying with me, Kyla shot back. Now you know how it feels. Henley rushed forward, clearing his throat. It's time to stop now anyway, ladies. Kyla has her lesson with Flamishtack next. Jill blew out her cheeks and stalked off, murmuring about brats with magic and shadline pretenders. Kyla was tempted to singe her hair, but Henley put himself in front of her, and she couldn't see past him. She provoked me, she said. She wants me to fail so she can stop these stupid lessons. You can stop these lessons any time you want. That was true. Kyla could do anything she wanted. Who was going to stop her? She was the girl who could fly, and the terror of Dunmeadow Plaza. Three ten days had passed since her battle with the Hargath, Instead of feeling more rested, she was exhausted, and the city had not made much of a recovery either. Most of the debris had been cleared from the plaza, and Highest Quiv had already begun work to patch the giant hole she'd blown in the Cathedral of Till. But those who had witnessed the battle, and who had felt the by-blow of her feats of fear and adoration, 
were not well at all. Many were dead, more injured, some were calling for her execution. And others, others had joined the way of Kyla, not the way of kill. Just as Hyas Quiv had predicted, damn him. That last group was especially problematic since there was no way of kill, or Kyla, in Starside. Not officially, not with her permission. But did Marlow listen to her objections? No. Did her enlightened listen? Ha! And now there was a camp forming in the ruins of the blasted quarter, full of lunatics who swore oaths to serve Kyla Sai in the way of Kyla. These folks were not popular with the average citizen who thought Kyla ought to be trussed to a pole in Dunmeadow Plaza and receive the city's justice. Recently, late-night raids by the infuriated citizenry had resulted in pitched battles in the blasted quarter, stopped only when Kyla and the monarch had descended from the sky, engulfed in murkus light, voices booming for everyone to lay down their arms and then the ranks of her followers had swelled again as a third of those opposed to Kyla switched allegiance due to her fierce and radiant loveliness, as one man put it. Why are you training with Jill if you hate it? Henley asked cautiously. You can ash your enemies with ease. Stabbing isn't really necessary. I don't want to ash anyone. L says blade training is good for discipline and that the dearth may wish to see my abilities at the armory. She slid Kane into its thigh sheath and swung her cloak over her shoulders. Black wool, very fine. The sleeves of her jacket bore black embroidered ravens that gleamed dully in the flat gray of winter. L had commissioned a wardrobe full of such clothing. Let's go inside. Maybe I can eat something before... Nax darted toward her, voice filling her head with enthusiastic glee. He's coming! Kill's eyes, I miss my chance. Turning, Kyla waited expectantly for the domain to dimense into the courtyard. It wasn't long. A roll of green mist appeared first, followed by the hulking beast himself. Two and a half times Kyla's height and swathed in black velvet robes, Flamishtak might have been the image of Kill himself. Ollie, cream-colored and fluffy, rested on the domain's shoulder. Nax leapt into Flaumishdak's open arms and received a good chin-scratching, courtesy of the domain's cruel black claws. Nax tells me you've been neglecting your health. That's not true, you little traitor, she sent to the small gray. You didn't sleep last night, and today you've only eaten an apple. Nax added a cringe to the sending, her opinion of apples being quite low. You need meat. Let's proceed, Flamishdak. I have things to do. Huff appeared and repeated Nack's leap so that the domain's arms were full of cats. It might have been funny if Kyla wasn't still fuming about Jill's treatment of her. Flamishdak gave each cat a bit of stinky something from a pocket, then urged them to disembark from his body. Finally, turning his attention back to Kyla, he said, I recall we were exploring the interesting trick you called joining. Kyla threw up her hands. I don't know how that works, and neither does Henley. You were supposed to be training us, not the other way around. In truth, he was supposed to be training only her, but she refused to attend unless Henley could too. Flamishdak seemed thrilled, 
but his insatiable interest in joining had begun to chafe. But I must understand the nature of joining, highest sigh, mocking tones on her title, always with the mocking tones. You see, if you two have discovered a phasic bonding, then what is possible with the Mercusine is greater than I ever knew, and you will require every advantage in the coming culmination. Of course, he had to bring up the stupid culmination, as if Dem Kisk was something she might forget. She felt Henley's hand on her arm. Shaking her head to clear away the rising frustration, she blew out a breath and leveled a calm, well, calmer, stare at the domain. For one burdened with the title of highest, she didn't seem to be much in charge of her hours. Henley explains joining better than I can. She nudged him. The fiery-haired boy sighed and absently scratched the tip of his nose with his pinky. Kyla knew that meant he was truly considering how to explain the inexplicable. He had far more patience than she did, which was one of the things she loved about him. She didn't know what she'd do if he... No, she cut off the thought. Henley was already into his roundabout explanation to Flamishtak. Kyla barely listened, the fear of her thought rising against her resistance. The image of Henley lying at the Hargath's feet, the seer's staff thrust through his body and pinning him. The boy had suffered so much at the old man's hands. The wounds had healed, but there remained a hollowness in his eyes. Even now she saw the boldness of his cheeks, the tightness of his eyes, the sharp hand gestures that strove to outline concepts he could barely grasp. It all spoke to her in a subtle language, revealing what Henley sought to hide. Pain. And then Huff rescued me from the lashes by bringing me into his mind. I did it with Kyla later, then she with me when facing the Hargath. But what mercusine bolts were used, Flamishtak said, stamping a cloven hoof. None. But Miss Sai said the Hargath used the bond to penetrate her will, and— No, that was different, Kyla said. He used the force bond I had placed on Henley. I stopped the Hargath by joining Henley to me. The domain growled deep in his throat. <sighs> that explains nothing. Surely there were bolts involved. Are you saying Huff is a Merculin? Henley asked. He looked at the cat who had taken up position on top of Henley's feet to keep his body off the deepening snow in the courtyard. Because he invited me to the joining. He did whatever it was. The domain tilted his head up and considered this. His mane of hair wavered in the wind, the loose ends ever dissolving into tendrils of smoke. Hmm. A detail from Kyla's first experience with joining glimmered in her memory. Henley asked me to surrender, and when I did, he embraced me. Yes, there is a pull, Henley said, an invitation. Phasic Mercusine, it must be. Flamishtak folded his arms and began to pace, leaving steaming hoofprints in the snow. The Felnithel are wise beyond my ken. He bowed to Huff, then offered the same to Nax and Ollie, who had jumped to a low wall in order to better survey their domain. A dangerous feat, make no mistake. 
but think of what it says about the nature of the mind. Kyla clicked her tongue. When Nyatha Zifra is dead, I'll be sure to sit back with a pint of Trez and give it a good cogitation. But right now, I'm getting cold. Do you have anything to teach, or shall I go in and find a nice fire to sit by? Yatha Zandra would torch you to ash if she heard you call her by that silly name. I like it. He flourished his claws and shrugged his shoulder as if to loosen up. Now, for your lesson today, I thought we would work on dealing with the weather. You humans are so fragile when it comes to cold and heat. It's rather silly. Weather? Kyla perked up. Can we make it stop snowing? Ha! I would not say anything is impossible for you, my delicious sweetling, but such a feat is likely beyond even your long reach. What I propose is to show you how to shelter cloak yourself. Once you master that, I can show you how to armor cloak. Aha! That's what Marlowe does. Not even Cain can cut into his flesh. Not very deep, anyway. Marlowe? That summer ninny? I doubt he has learned armor cloak. He must have some other prank in his poke. Perhaps a heller of some sort. He's a sneaky one. Marlowe did not use any artifacts to stone his flesh. Of that, Kyla was sure. It seemed there were feats that Flamishtak did not know. And that gave her some comfort since she didn't trust him one whit. Attend, pupils, he said, becoming mockingly solemn. Form the bolts thusly. His murkus arose quick and powerful, a buzzing haze that Kyla could see and feel and smell. As always, it gave off the faint scent of burning hair. She saw immediately that he formed a simple negation of the surrounding cold, then held the negation in place by the concept of rigidity. You can't move about then, she said. Not much use. I'm not finished. He proceeded to dazzle Kyla with the slender threads of subtle emotion that she could not identify by name. But she realized she didn't need to. What are you doing? Henley said to her. She hadn't noticed her own hand reaching out to trace along the bolts the domain had formed around himself. Feel it, Hen. He tentatively reached out. Feel what? The Marcus. Can't you feel it? The texture? The warmth? He flapped his hand around, passing his fingers right through the haze of Flaumishdak's shelter cloak. The wind had ceased to disturb the domain's hair, and the snow that had accumulated on his shoulders had melted. Now the flakes hissed out of existence as they came near to him. The weather cloak was soft and yielding to Kyla's touch. The Mercus bolts had woven together more finely than a master tailor's work. Much of what we do with the Mercus cannot be understood in detail, Flamishtak said softly. The flames in his eyes had banked to orange embers as he watched Kyla make her discovery. How long had he waited for her to come to this epiphany? Do you think I manifest my power as a human cook throws carrots and salt and chicken into a stockpot? No. The subtle realm of the Mercosine is of the senses and emotion. The more you attempt to divide and divide again its nature, the less you will understand it, the less you will have control of it. That is your gift, Kyla. 
you transmute pure intention into mercus action. This is the god power in your blood. Carla formed the bolts and was instantly warm. That's so easy, she said. Henley's face had fallen. I don't understand a single thing he said, and yet you're already doing it. How does the rigidity in the bolt get leavened with flexibility? Desire it, Flamishtek said softly. It is that simple and that difficult. A far door swung open. Her enlightened majesty, L. Leminwi, stepped out, dressed in a fine black fur. Beneath flashed a cream tunic and tight waistcoat above riding trousers. Boots rose to mid-calf and turned down at the top. Her unusual tumble of black hair was pulled away from her face. She possessed the regal bearing of her station, purposeful but unrushed. But her usually equanimous face was brewing dark clouds. Kyla wondered what trouble she was about to get in. She ambled to meet the monarch and offered a polite nod. Neither Marlowe nor Henley had convinced her she must bow to the woman. That her enlightened majesty was not truly human at all did not disturb Kyla nearly as much as the woman's assumption that Kyla would simply do whatever she commanded. Still, she thought the monarch rather more trustworthy than Flamishdak. That Harnzanin, a dragon of day, showed the monarch respect and love also spoke well of her. Good morning, El, Kyla said, wincing even as she finished the greeting. Wen had always said her tongue would get her into more trouble than her thief's fingers ever would. The monarch acknowledged Kyla with a dark-eyed stare. Jill and Dun Marlow followed the woman into the snowy courtyard, though they kept more distance between them than such advisers might usually do. Also in attendance were two radiants. The taller was Radiant Gylock, a middle year's dandy in pantaloons, and so red of nose that Kyla wondered if he'd breakfasted on a bottle of fine Tordonais wine. Next to him strode Radiant Junissa Pauline, Quinn's mother, short, lovely, and fierce. She glowered at Kyla and offered a nod. Highest? She blamed Kyla for Quinn's entry into the Shadlined Order, even though Quinn had come into her blade before meeting Kyla. Gylock looked expectantly at Kyla's left hand, the ring, the kill-damned ring, a bloody garnet set on a thick gold band. She offered her hand. Gyla took it up with a delicate flourish and bent to press his lips to the stone. Highest of kill, how fare you this chill morning? Is it cold? I hadn't noticed. This provoked a squint of calculation from the man, but that wasn't new. He was always weighing and wondering and scheming. Marlowe and Jill stopped behind the monarch. Neither said a word of greeting to Kyla, though Marlowe offered a lopsided smile. He carried a rolled parchment three feet long. I fear the Mercus lesson must end for today, Flamishdak, the monarch announced. You may leave. She turned her back on the beast. Ali leapt from the wall and went to the domain's arm. For once, Flamishdak didn't offer a parting remark before dimensing in a flash of Marcus Green. Nax came to Kyla. It didn't take much effort to admit the cat into her shelter cloak without dropping it. Why haven't you done this all along? I didn't know how. You must spend more time with Flamishdak. Kyla knew the monarch had bad news, 
else she would have waited for Kyla to come at the usual time. Kyla had been on the receiving end of a series of the dullest lectures imaginable, about governance, supplies, armies, realms, trade, treaties, and every manner of court intrigue across far-flung realms in the world. In truth, Kyla rather liked hearing about the intrigue. It was Gylock who did most of the talking in these sessions, punctuated infrequently by radiant Pauline, whose countryside upbringing gave her a different perspective. Kyla felt surrounded. They all wanted her to do something. Exactly what that was remained elusive. They couldn't decide among themselves. It's time, the monarch said softly. Henley, you must remain here. The armory is for Shadlines only. Jill moved forward, hand on the hilt of her sword. We must go at once. How do you know? Kyla asked. Even after all these ten days of waiting, the moment seemed so sudden to her. She didn't want to leave Henley. I listen and obey, Jill said stiffly, as do all of our order. Why haven't I heard anything? Jill smirked. I ask myself that every day. Enough, you two, her enlightened said. There was no bite in her tone, just a quiet assertion of authority. You will learn to heed the Shadline call, Kyla. For now, trust in me. Before Kyla could make things worse, Marlowe stepped quickly to the monarch's other side and extended his rolled parchment to Kyla. Study this in your spare time. It's quite valuable, so please try to keep it intact. Taking it, she said, what is it? A gift from Don Eples. A map. Kyla took it, but didn't unroll it. A servant rushed out, carrying a bundle. It was Kyla's backpack. He offered it to her, half-bowing and muttering, Highest sigh? Kyla took it, frowning. You have Cain, you are ready, the monarch said. Take my hand. Instead of obeying, Kyla turned to Henley. His green eyes locked with hers. She read the concern there easily enough, and the love. He put a hand on her cheek, and she could do nothing but press into its warmth. I can diamonds back easily, she said. I won't be away long. I will always be with you, he said through their bond. His lips sought hers, and despite the presence of so many onlookers, she happily accepted the kiss. If only there was a shelter cloak to shield herself from tears. Trickles coursed down her cheeks. An ache in her throat strangled her words as she bade Henley goodbye. Take my hand, girl, the monarch said. I will demence us. Kyla hugged Nax close and did as she was told.